Good morning. Welcome back to season one of Catapult Your Career, uh, where we delve into the reality of various careers uh, and explore practical advice for numerous professions. Uh, and today we're kind of switching it up a little bit. Um, instead of kind of targeting a specific career, we're going to target some of the uh, aspects of uh, those who are wanting to transition careers uh, and perhaps kind of signs that you should pivot or, or pursue a different avenue, whether it's a career, whether it's even starting your own business. Uh, and I thought of none other to invite um, a, a person who's very kind of well versed in that world, a mentor and a speaker in Trang. So uh, good morning and welcome to the podcast, Trang. Michael, thank you so much for that introduction and thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Chang, for coming. And, and I say good morning. Uh, it's not actually morning where you are. You're, you're, we're obviously, I'm, I'm calling from the UK. You're in the absolute glorious Bali, which I'm sure myself and many of our listeners are incredibly jealous of. Um, but yeah, how, how is life treating you out there? Our life is pretty fantastic out here. Um, so you you may be able to tell from my accent that I am from Australia. Um, so I am an Australian in Bali right now. I've been here for a month. I'm going to be here for another three, so a total of four months. Um, although I, when I first came here, I'd actually booked a one-way ticket and I was like, I'm just going to see where my heart takes me. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm staying here for as long as possible before I do, need to go home. And yeah, it's so beautiful here. <laughs> I, I do not blame it. It's, um, it's on my, my big list of countries to travel for sure. Um, and you know, it's very much risen in profile with digital nomads and all the rest, hasn't it, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine it's absolutely glorious. So, but thanks again for kind of joining us today. Um, and and it'll be really interesting as I kind of started off at the beginning around uh, focusing today's episode on, on, on those signs that people should pivot or pursue different careers. And I think so mm. many times people are kind of stuck with various constraints or just kind of and they've got my plug in, they go to work on a Monday morning, they almost don't have the self-awareness or consciousness to think about other things. It'd be interesting to hear um, your own experience and, and the p people you perhaps have worked or spoken to around that element of, of signs that they should intake, they should themselves, sorry, should pivot to, to different, different avenues. Mm, yeah. Oh, where do I start with this? I think a, a great place to start is a little bit of context for my own journey to get to where I am now. Yeah. Uh, when I finished school, I went straight to uni and I graduated with a master's of physiotherapy. So mm -hmm. I am a physiotherapist and I'm, and I'm also a running and strength coach. And this is what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it at the time and it was, you know, like one profession for my whole life was what I thought I was meant to do, you know, like observing my parents who've been in one profession their whole life. And because they're immigrants as well, they really, they really gave me the narrative of, you know, look for a stable and secure profession so that you can enjoy the reward of a good life once you have a roof over your head and you can put food on the table yeah. and look after your family. So that's what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. I didn't even think that it was an option to change and to go down a new path until I hit 24 years old. I went through a quarter life crisis uh, where I was questioning, is this what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Like, is this it? what more is there for me out there? Like, what am I here on this 
planet to do? Is this all I'm ever going to be? Is this all I'm ever going to do? And this quarter life crisis lasted for about a year because clearly there was a big part of me that was pulling me towards expanding or pivoting, you know, doing something different. It was quite loud towards the end. At the start, it was a very soft feeling. It was a very soft tool. And then it got bigger. It got more urgent over time. But it lasted for so long because I had that part of me that really wanted to explore and to pivot. But I also had the other part of me that was holding me back. And we can talk more about this in a moment. Um, We can go into it more. But yeah, there was this conflict, the two different parts of me, one that wanted more, but the other part that was scared. That was like, what, what, you're going to waste your four-year degree? Like, you know, what are people going to think of you? What if it doesn't work out? What if you regret it? What if it's not viable if you change? Is it too late to change? I know it sounds funny because I was 24 at the time. So now I look back and I'm like, that's so young. But at the time, I felt like, you know, my yeah. path was set. I really felt like that. Um, so that created this quarter-life crisis, which went on for about a year until I went through some steps, I got some mentoring, I got some support, and then I realized that you know nothing else matters other than me following my truth. Um, I had to. It just got to the point where that voice in my head, that pull was so loud, that I just had to do it. Um, so then I did fast forward to where I am now, yeah, mentoring, speaking, um, working with individuals specifically to help them pivot and build their dream business of impact. And ultimately, the reason why I do that is so that they can fulfill their purpose and their potential in their life and ultimately thrive. And how I see it is when enough individuals thrive, then humanity as a collective will thrive. And when humanity thrives, then the world will thrive for all forms of life and future generations. So that is my mission. And I can say now that I'm, you know, so in love with what I do. Yes, all of the, it wasn't necessarily easy and smooth along the way, but it was so worth it. Amazing. I mean, thank you so much for kind of sharing, you know, your journey and your experiences, Trang. And it's so much, I think that will resonate, not just with our listeners, but also resonates with me, I suppose, in terms of, I, I love the kind of, that transition, that journey of yourself, but also moving from a place of just survival and actually moving to a place of thriving. And I very much, you know, a lot of our listeners will be probably aware of kind of the Simon Sinek start with why and that why purpose, that why statement. And you've kind of yeah. very, you know, uh, articulated it very nicely. I suppose, I suppose mine is very much shared with what you said in terms of like inspiring others to do what inspires them. And you talk a lot about it's almost that ripple effect, I suppose, that your your legacy, your life will be changing many, many others, I suppose, as well, won't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's where the, the quarter life crisis comes in. Because for me, the narrative growing up the whole time was, okay, like, make sure you look after yourself, make sure you, you have a stable, secure profession. And like, that is important, you know, especially because my parents were immigrants, that is so important mm. to them. They didn't have that when they were back in Vietnam. Um, but then it got to the point where, you know, I I did have, you know, the privilege I could say I, I did have the space to to actually dream further once I graduated from uni and I had this had this career and I think that's something that you know some of the listeners may be in that similar position as well it's like all right you've, you're, you're doing well already you've got your profession and it's like mm-hmm. now you can actually dream and you can actually see 
where things can go for you next. Exactly. And I think it's really important. And, you know, you've obviously been, you're very self-aware of your kind of experiences, how they've shaped you and, you know, how you got to, to where you are today. I think recognising that that immigrant kind of parents and all the rest of it is incredibly important. And I, and again, that, that very much resonates with myself. So my uh, my mum is Jamaican and, and moved from Jamaica. My, my dad was born in the East End of London. Um and it, it is important that stability is was the key and probably the sole concept that they focus their lives on. Um, and we have to be mindful that what was kind of important for them might not always be important for us. But equally, mm-hmm. the privilege that that's given us, that they pursued a life of stability and survival. So that I suppose as a, I always get this, this wrong, I think it's a first generation or second generation immigrant myself. I'm able to have uh, to operate from a place foundation that they created that that kind of stability for me and being yeah. the first one to go to university with my family I'm then allowed to thrive I suppose and it it sounds like yeah. that was very very apparent in your journey as well yeah it, it was and I think that's a pattern amongst a lot of um you know uh, kids of immigrants as well yeah. as even the generation as a whole like if we look at the generations over time like the baby boomers they went through a lot of stuff um gen x they went through a lot and then they they're they're raising gen y gen z like millennials in with that space of hey like we we went through a lot so that you didn't have to so you go out there and, and you pursue what your heart calls for and that's why we are seeing such a rise in people who are choosing to follow their own heart um you know after the the pandemic like we we saw the great resignation we're seeing a rise in entrepreneurship like people are choosing to put what they want to do first and foremost which is like really great why not 100 percent, yeah and i completely chime with what you said about the pandemic i think that was that circuit breaker for a lot of people to finally realize no, actually, I need to put myself first and I can't just plod along and live this life. Uh, and, you know, it's been an absolute, you know, th- th- it's not to kind of downplay the destruction and, and kind of all, all the, the misery it caused, but it's been an absolute game changer for a lot of people's lives in terms of, yeah. kind of shopping them back into their present body and having the self-awareness of what, what they're doing. Um, and I suppose in terms of tying that back to yourself, you know, you talked about, you know, I think it's a really good way you describe it, like the push and the pull. You know, are we being are we being pushed away from something or are we being pulled to do something? I suppose mm-hmm. what what were some of your own signs of wanting to transition from that kind of physio- physiotherapy space to, to what you do now? Mm. The first one that I didn't even recognize until later on was the fact that the idea and the dreaming continued to pop up no matter how many times I tried to squash it or neglect it or to justify otherwise, mm-hmm. it just continued to pop up. So like if you're listening and you have a particular idea or you've got, you know, this vision that one day you're going to do this or you would love to do that one day and that idea just continues to pop up over weeks, months, years, then that is a sign that you should pursue it. <laughs> Because the reason why it's popping up is because in a way you can say that your your heart and your mind knows what you want. Like the the truth is there. Yeah. But it just may be that, you know, for one reason or another, due to logistics or fear or whatever it might be, 
you're you're suppressing it and you're turning away from the the sign or this voice that is popping up in your mind and because you're turning away and you're like nah you know what I'm I don't hate my job after all like I actually kind of enjoy it I'm gonna stay or it could be like oh but I like the people who I work with so you know that's that makes it worth it I'm going to stay and then you know there is that um, kind of that contrast of different thoughts. So then, you know, the 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 dream comes up and then you, you justify it otherwise. You know what? I'm going to stay. But then, of course, like no truth can go away. Like it doesn't just disappear. It will come up again a week later, a month later. And like for me at the start, it begins as a very small feeling. It's like a very subtle thought. Oh, like you see someone on social media doing something or you see one of your friends doing something and you're like, oh, that would be really nice. And it's just like a, a fleeting thought. And then over a few weeks, over a few months, as you continue to suppress your truth, it doesn't go away. It actually gets bigger. It actually gets a, a lot more urgent until, yeah, like for me, a year later, it was screaming so loud. And that's what often happens like so many of clients who come to me and I'm sure that you've experienced the same Michael where they're like I'm just so sick of this like I've had enough and something needs to change right now and that is the point where it's like okay we've had that like you know dance for long enough and they're just sick of standing right there at the crossroads not making a decision and they're like all right we got to do something right now definitely definitely and it's just you know, it, everyone has their own journey and their own path to get into that point of realisation, I suppose. But, you know, it's so fascinating how much, I suppose, I hear clients and ourselves, you know, including myself, how we justify our situation to kind of avoid change and avoid discomfort. Like you said, it's not that bad, you know, oh, my colleagues are lovely and, you know, but I do get this, I get to work like, work from home on a Friday and, you know, so it's all good. It's It's fine. It's fine. And it's just, you know, we're we're so keen to embrace the certainty of the discomfort we're in now, rather than to embrace the uncertain, you know, change and the outcomes that might go if we were to transition to a different career. And, you know, it, it, it's very kind of trivial and cliche to see we, say we only live one life. But it, it, it's like I always just think, you know, there's various exercises like the gravestone exercise of what you want to be written on your gravestone and all the rest of it. And when I do those things, it does kind of give me that shock to think, yeah, it's, I might think it's not that bad, but do I want to live my whole life and be unfortunately on my deathbed when that time comes and think, I wish I did this, you know, it doesn't matter if, mm. even if I was successful at it, just wish I gave that a go, that little niggling thought that you mentioned. I wish I just kind of fed it a little bit of oxygen just to see, see what happened. Um, yeah. And I wonder what, what was, what was perhaps the thoughts for you when you were in that physiotherapy? What were some of the thoughts that happened in your life that you thought, Oh, this is interesting. Or like you said, you saw someone who was in a field that you perhaps are in now or, or, or enjoyed and was like, mm, I, I would like to give that a go actually one day. Mm, yeah, exactly what you're saying, Michael. I, I remember that um, I, I said out loud at one point, I, I like physio and I, I'm going to do this for a while to, to get really good at it, but I don't see myself doing it forever. Mm. And, and that was when I first said that out loud, you know, the, the first time I, was, I, I caught myself and I was like, did I just say that? And that was like the first part of me acknowledging it wasn't 
it. And I guess, you know, there's, I don't necessarily believe there's like a soulmate career, like, you know, yeah. there's a soulmate in, in a partner. Um, but that was already the first sign that my heart wasn't super in it. Like I, I saw myself doing it. I wanted to get good at it because I wanted to make the most of my degree, but I didn't see myself doing it forever. Mm. And then I, I started to, um, as part of this like quarter life crisis, I started to come up with other um, pathways, other ways that I wanted to have an impact. I wanted to essentially become more and do more and leave a bigger, um, leave a bigger legacy, you could say. Um, so that, so that was the the main pull. It was like, I just really feel like I have more in me. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm happy where I'm at, but I feel like I'm destined for more. That was another one. It was like, you know, us high achievers, we can have that, we can have that feeling. It's like, I'm doing well, but I think, I think there's still more on the table that I haven't yet explored. And the the last thing I want is to get towards the end of my life and realize that I haven't actually been able to realize that potential. Mm. And I think that's actually a really big killer for many high achievers because yeah, there's, there's like the fears of what could happen and the fear of failure, but I believe the fear of regret, sorry, the, the regret and the, the realization that we have unactualized potential really eats us up from the inside. 100%. It's scary how the fear of the outcome, you know, completely stops us from moving forward in in most things, most aspects of life, not just career. And um, I think I saw this quote of like, you know, oh, what if I fall? And, you know, it's, but yeah, but what if you fly? Like we, we, you have no idea about the boundaries and the, the aspects you could get to. And we're yeah. almost like, oh, I'm scared about this. I'm scared about that. But actually, and, and often when we talk about fear or transition and, and kind of pivots, you know, we always often focus on the failure. So what if I, you know, fail, I do it, I'm in this illustrious career with prestige and I, you know, I transition and it doesn't go wrong. Sometimes, and it's not as often, but it's not spoken about enough, I, I think. People actually have fear of success sometimes, which is actually really interesting. Like they think, yeah, but what if I transition? And I absolutely blow up and everyone knows me and they see me and I'm the face of everywhere. Like, I don't know how I deal with that as well. Um, and yeah. I think that's equally as important for some people, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you bring that up, Michael, because that is a big obstacle, you know, whether we realize it or not. It's actually the fear of success. And it sounds crazy. Like, why would someone mm. fear success? But it's not actually it's not actually the success itself that people are fearing. So like, yeah, you know, having uh, having a lot of money or having like the accolades, that itself might not be the the big fear, but it's it's what comes with that success. So maybe it's the fame and being in the spotlight. Because yeah. guess what? Being in the spotlight means you're probably going to have some haters. You're going to have some backlash at some point. I get that. Like even just the other day, I, <laughs> I shouldn't do this, but I opened up my email late at night when I was in bed. And in this email, I received um, a, a message from someone who said, "Oh, because I, I, I had sent out like a, a email in my mailing list. So it was like this general email out to everyone. And this person had replied and they said, oh, thanks for the message. But just saying, your offerings are very expensive and I'm not interested in learning from anyone who plays it like they've got their life sorted out when I can just learn this stuff for free on the internet. Thank you, but goodbye. <laughs> and I read this late at night, right? And, you know, that 
oh, I shouldn't have done that. I could feel my heart rate go up. I could feel like, you know, just like just the natural response that you have. I don't, I don't think that anyone can be immune to that. Yeah. But yeah, you know, being in the spotlight means you're going to you're going to have to hold your ground more because not everyone's going to be a supporter, not everyone's going to agree with you. Um, maybe it's even the the fear of the change that is required to achieve that success. Um, change is scary. Like you were saying before, Michael, that you know we're we're more happy, uh, we're more willing to stick with something that we're familiar with, even if we're not completely happy with it, rather than change. Because change means that we might need to let go of a certain part of our ident- our identity, let go mm-hmm. of a certain part of our lifestyle that we are familiar with, that we are comfortable with, a certain part of our routines, our friendship circles, you know, people who we usually spend time with and therefore we need to start like letting go of um, being comfortable in like the different, um, you know, beliefs that we might hold or the conversations that we hold, like, you know, leaving the echo chamber of what we currently know. There's a lot to that and it's uncomfortable. And that was a huge part of what held me back because I was just like, if I, if I, I remember thinking, if I make it as a speaker, it means that I am going to be traveling a lot because speakers, they can be on the road like for half the year, even more than half the year, just flying, going across the different countries. And at the time I was with my partner who was in a corporate role, so not able to travel as much. And I caught myself thinking like, maybe I don't want to be traveling that much. Like maybe I don't want to have the responsibility of such a fully booked calendar that I need to be away from home more than I'm at home. And that thought in itself is fear of success right there. I didn't want to be successful because of what came with it. And then that, you know, naturally whatever we perceive is going to dictate our decisions, which is going to dictate our actions. And then, you know, before we know it, we're taking micro actions micro decisions because we don't want that success yeah and it's interesting how you you know you caught yourself in that moment you caught yourself in that you know stopping that cycle you said about the you know like our thoughts might create emotions or feelings and those might create you know actions and then those actions I suppose invariably will create habits and all of a sudden you know you're in this spiral and kind of downwards I suppose and I suppose before we kind of touch on other signs that people should pivot and, and pursue their passion I suppose if people catch themselves in, in those those examples that we mentioned previously, what, what do you think are some of the, the tips or some of the, the processes they should go through to kind of put them back on track, per se, to, to help them in terms of they inherently had a bold vision and a bold kind of, you know, they had that scratch, which they gave oxygen. And now they're really thinking this is something I want to pursue. But they have that mm. little wobble. The closer they get to it, the, the wobble sometimes even gets greater because they're thinking, oh, crikey, this is real. This is going to happen. Um, yes. Yeah. How, how do you kind of knock them back onto that, that path and help, help them keep going? Mm, that's a great question, Michael. <laughs> you know, like the, the initial awareness, like even catching ourselves thinking something is very powerful in itself. Yeah. Because as soon as we catch ourselves thinking something, we have illuminated that this is what we are thinking. Mm. And once we illuminate it, then we can kind of create a bit of space between us and the thought and realize that the thought it's just a thought, you know, it's not necessarily reality or how things are. It's maybe a story we're telling ourselves. It's maybe a narrative that we're buying into. And then when we can illuminate it for the fact that it's not, you know, necessarily reality and it could simply be a biased way of thinking, then we can start to shift the way that we think. 
And mm-hmm. my personal, um, my personal practice is journaling. Now, I love journaling because it, it just creates so much clarity and so much um, practicality when we download all the cloudy thoughts and circ- that are circulating in our mind into words on paper. It's able to organize our thoughts so much more. Um, so I love to journal and I love to ask myself questions, you know, like why is this, why is this thought maybe not true? Like mm-hmm. if I'm scared of something or if this happened that made me feel crappy, then like, okay, well, why is this maybe not true? Like, why is this maybe not as bad as I thought it was? Like if someone's judging me, right? Like that email that I received, if someone's judging me, why is it not that bad? Oh, maybe because that person doesn't actually know me and they're just having a really bad day and they're just projecting their moodiness onto me. Okay, cool. So it's not really about me after all, but that can only, that, that process um, can only be, I guess, unveiled if we take the space to pull it apart a bit more. Versus sitting in the, oh my God, I got some hate. or I got some judgment. Like I'm not good enough. I'm a fraud. Like I'm not worthy. And then just allowing that spiral to occur. Mm, I absolutely love that. And, you know, thanks again for kind of sharing that with, with us and, and listeners track. I think, I think it's important, you know, there's, there's a balance with all these things in life, but you know, it's that, that spotlight syndrome and seeing yourself as like the be all and end all things. And actually nine times out of 10, it's like you said, it's people projecting their own insecurities and their own thoughts and opinions on you. And you're thinking, oh, it's all about me. It's all about me. But actually, it, more than often, it, it's not. And um, the more you can step away, like you said, by doing that journaling process and kind of, I suppose I, I say, look at the thoughts in the cold light of day and really realize them and interrogate them like a loving scientist, like interrogate them to say, hmm, this is interesting. I'm going to, I have a hypothesis. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to challenge this idea. And you'll often see it's other people's like, you know, in terms of their, what they're going through and they're kind of projecting it on you. And it allows you to take that step back and to remove yourself. And, you know, Michael Singer has done various books. I think it's Living Untethered is perhaps the last one. And he's called kind of, principle and, and premise is all about you know you are the there's a there's a you there's a little you inside you that notices all these things that happen in life and you can step back and say oh this is interesting oh I'm thinking this oh I'm thinking that and it, it's, mm-hmm. it's easier said than done but by having that it's similar to what you said with the journal you're stepping back and you're interrogating these things that happen to you and thinking isn't that interesting how my body reacts this way you know isn't it interesting how I think you know, it pulls this insecurity out myself when someone targets me for, oh, you're charging too much money, you're doing this, you're doing X, Y, Z. I, I think all of these practices, you know, it all links to that piece around self-awareness. And, you know, it's not, you know, you, of course you have to take action, but to have that self-awareness is such a foundation block in your life to then go on and to actually take action in, in, in these things, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I suppose we, we've kind of covered a couple of signs already uh, and does, you know, it'd be interesting to know if there's any other signs that you've experienced both yourself personally or, or your clients around whether they should um, kind of pivot to a different career. Uh, and, mm. and I suppose once, once we've done that, we might even touch you. You mentioned the quarter life crisis, which I, I think is a in, incredible term and something I definitely went through myself. You know, perhaps mm. we can also target that as we go on in the future. So, yeah. so just just to kind of kind of pull the signs bit. Is there any other signs you know that 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 you feel that um, mm. people often see when they should pivot or, or pursue a different career? 
Yeah. Another one is, you know how we often ask us each other for fun? If you won the lottery, what would you do? And if you were to answer that question with a particular career path or a business pursuit, then that is a sign that that is exactly what you want to do. Now, I know that, you know, this is a really big call because, you know, there's going to be thoughts of, well, not every, just because I, that's my dream pathway doesn't mean that it's viable. It doesn't mean like that I should do it, but it's like, but why not? Because ultimately this is how I see it. You know, what we were saying before, we have this one life and I know we all know that, but let's think about it for a second. We have this one chance. So what do we really have to lose when we spend each day, each week, each month working towards creating the life that we desire? It's like, what do we really have to lose? And I get it, you know, like I had a four-year uni degree. It was a master's. I'd only been using it for four years before I decided to let go of being a physio. So, yeah, I was thinking, like, I'm going to waste my four-year degree and all the money that it costs to do the uni degree. But then I realized, hold on a second, what's more of a waste? Me letting go of those four years and plus the four years of work to get to where I am now so you can say eight years altogether, or spending the next 40 years of my life living a micro version of myself. What's more of a waste? The eight years or the next 40 years? Because I don't know about you, but whatever's happened has happened. And what really counts is all the years that we have to come. That's how I see it. And, you know, not to mention the fact that every experience that we have in life is never going to be a waste. It's only going to add to the character that we become and all the skills and knowledge that we get to accumulate to get to where we are now, right? Like that's not even, you know, not even mentioning that, but that is a big part as well. Um, so, you know, like what is there really to lose? Because mm-hmm. we have this one life. So why wouldn't we be doing everything that we can to get to where we want to be? Like so- at, least, at least trying and then maybe failing like what's the worst that could happen? Maybe we end up back here, but we're already here now. So, you know, what is there really to lose? And also that doesn't mean that we need to go all in, you know, quit our job and then be jobless and in the pursuit of a new path. Like I, I used to actually advocate for that, but now I'm like, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, that is something that does get advocated amongst the coaching industry. It's like, oh, you've got to go all, all in or you're not serious. But really it doesn't have to be so black and white mm. you know we can we can take steps bit by bit we can we can start to take you know low risk steps we can start to do little things that accumulate over time to allow us to move in the direction that we want to move and then ultimately you know once we accumulate little progressions in a particular direction then before we know it, we are going in that direction. We're on that path. And then we may be able to be in a place where we can actually completely then pivot and, and make that leap. I mean, I mean, what you share is magical, Trang. And I really hope kind of listeners actually really take that in and kind of, you know, see how it resonates with their own lives themselves. Because, you know, the two, the core 
things that I wanted to pull out of what you just said is that, is that sunk cost fallacy of like, yeah, but I spent X amount of time and I spent X amount of money, so I can't possibly do something else. And I think for those, to put it in the black and white of, yes, okay, I understand. You know, I'm not going to disregard what you said. It is important. That is eight years. That is a lot of time. You know, let's not even uh, consider the learnings that you've had in that eight years that will help you in, in the future and the money. But I, don't, I understand. But, you know, say you are at that kind of, um, I suppose, 25, 26, and you're, 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 you've had those eight years in education and uh, kind of post-employment. What about the next 30, 40 years you're going to be working? Um, should we just completely disregard that? You know, 40 years sounds a, sounds a slightly bigger number than eight years. And I think that kind of, for those who, people who like to have it kind of in the black and white, that kind of very quickly cuts through everything and says, you know, are you, are you really going to use eight years to kind of put your, the rest of your life on hold and, and put it to waste? And, and, and also the one life statement, I think, again, is incredibly powerful because, you know, this can either be paralyzing or, or empowering where we talk about, you know, yes, you have one life, but the thing is, you know, we're scared to make the change. We want to embrace the kind of certainty of where we are now. But if you really think about it, and this this might be kind of hard for people to hear, your great-grandchildren, so not even, you know, not too far removed, your great-grandchildren simply, you know, if you, you do your careers and you do what it is, if you were to think about what your great-granddad did, now, sometimes you might know their name, you might know their profession at a push, but you won't know a whole lot about their life. And of course, there's people who, who will, you know, and this is talking about the broad stereotype. The large majority of people won't know what someone has done, their great-grandchildren, uh, great-grandparents, sorry, have done. And that makes me realise that I'm worried about what my peers and my colleagues and associates think of me. You know, I'm worried about what, when I do this transition, what they're going to think of me when I kind of uh, change jobs and change roles. But if I can't even remember what my great grandparents did in terms of their careers and how they spent their lives, why should I be worried now about what I do? Because my great grandchildren, and it, 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 I'm sure we want to build massive legacies and all the rest of it, but even our great grandchildren won't even know what we've done. So that really enforces that one life that if your great grandchildren aren't even going to remember the absolute detail of all the things you've done, Surely you need to do what's important to you, because if that even your someone who's close to you in your family heritage isn't going to know, isn't it important that you actually spend this little time we have on this planet that we call Earth doing things you actually enjoy? So I think I think thank you again, you know, Trang, for, for, for sharing that. I think it's really, really important. And I suppose just to kind of close the last premise that would be really interesting to cover. And we've mentioned it and I've mentioned it a few times in my past kind of uh, episodes and podcasts. It is around that premise of the course of life uh, crisis. So what, just for, for listeners, so they can perhaps understand if they're already in that, what is the, would you describe the course of life crisis as? And, you know, how can some people realise if they're, they're in that, that period of their life right now? Yeah, I'd love to touch on that. And before I do, can I add to what you said before, Michael, um, a, a final thing that I, I just thought of. Um, there's a lot of pressure on making the right decision. And I, of course, felt this myself, right? Like, I need to make this one decision. It needs to be right. Otherwise, I might regret it. Otherwise, it might go down the wrong path. But the thing is, there's never a right or wrong decision because it's not such a binary reality where we go one way or the other and that's it. Because after that initial decision, if we decide to 
maybe resign if we decide to apply for a new job in a new industry like the reality after that initial decision could still go millions of different ways because the path beyond that initial decision is still dependent on you know decision after another decision after another decision it is an ongoing process of decisions that we create um so i think you know taking off the pressure from that initial decision is actually going to be really helpful in this process realizing that there is no right or wrong decision um because who knows what the reality could be after like it could go in any direction based on the continual decisions that we make based on how we show up based on the actions that we take so we actually choose how that pathway turns out so there's no right or wrong decision there's simply the pathway that we choose to create Um, and I really want to mention that because that really landed for me when I first made the decision because people were like oh you're gonna make the wrong decision you're gonna regret this and that freaked me out like that stops me from making that leap for a long time and then initially after I made the the decision then yeah there was like a slower period where I was like starting again and I kind of had to find my feet but then I just didn't stop I just kept going until I got to a place where now people are like how do I do this too and it's like there's no right or wrong decision it's just the the reality that you create so yeah, I just wanted to touch on that and I, I hope that that helps, um, you know, empower the listeners. Um, now touching on the quarter life crisis. Oh my gosh, was this such a big thing? <laughs> so for me, what it was, it was ignited by a particular event um, and that's a whole story. But really what happened was it was this clash and this tornado between everything that I had been taught, everything that I had known, everything that I had done up until I was 24 years old and then integrating a higher level of consciousness and evolved thinking and evolved view of the world and evolved version of myself and trying to integrate that with everything that I had always known about myself and everything that I had always done. And there was a huge clash. And that was why there was such, that's why it's called a crisis, right? It's like, it feels so chaotic. It feels really confusing. It's like, I don't know what my existence on planet earth is for. It's like asking those really big existential questions. It's, it's asking, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? And it's like that confusion between what I've always known versus what I am kind of opening up my mind into as I, yeah, leave my the nest, you know, the quarter life crisis, leaving the nest of school, tertiary education, if you did go, starting to work for a few years, and then suddenly being exposed to this world. And it's like, my model of the world is shifting, and it's confusing. It is scary. Um, so that is what I went through. And that is how I see a quarter life crisis, because midlife crisis is often seen as, okay, like I'm getting towards the end-ish of my life oh my god there are things I'm still yet to do there's like regrets well quarter life is like that integration of I have known myself as this version I've known the world as this for, for so long and now oh my gosh it's all being shifted um so yeah it's it's a crisis but really how I call it is actually an awakening yeah. It's an awakening to the next evolution of our consciousness, of who we're going to be, of what we're going to do. And it sucks at the time, but 
it was one of the best things that happened to me because of everything that actualized afterwards. It was a beautiful opportunity because I got to learn so much about myself and I got the opportunity to um, go down a path that I wouldn't have done otherwise, for sure. Mm. I mean, yeah, thank you for you know for sharing your your own experience around that, and it's just so it's so powerful. I think you know. I, I often say very similar things to yourself, Trang, in terms of we we live our life up until that point, roughly 25-ish. It, it, you know, it happens at different times for different people. But we live our life, you know, you go to school, you go to university, you, you vaguely do things that people tell you what to do, whether it's your parents, your peers, whether it's even society, what, you know, you need to do these things to be successful. And then all of a sudden you kind of, you follow this path that's been set for you, not a path you set yourself. And you have yes. those early experiences in jobs and you think, like, do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? You know, like your own experience in physiotherapy, you know, you, you think, do I really want to do this for like the, my entire existence? You know, and I, I think it's really, really powerful. I think, you know, we will all equally have different times in our life where we'll kind of adjust our path. You said like midlife crisis and other times. But I think this is a very kind of awakening. I think that's a really powerful word and a really powerful way to explain it. It's an awakening of hang on a minute, I've arrived at this place, but it's been at the direction of all my peers and others. How much yeah. have I actually had a say in the path I want to take? Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's a, a really important kind of point to share. And hopefully that will resonate with, with people who are listening today um, uh, around their own path and where they are. And, and hopefully they can start to take some action to kind of go in the right direction. So thank, thank you so much, you know, for all you've shared uh, today, Trang, and, and it's been incredibly powerful and I'm, I'm sure it will give so many light bulb moments for, for all those who are listening. And if people want to kind of continue the conversation and kind of connect with your, your, yourself personally and professionally, where's the best place for, for them to, to kind of come and find you? Mm. I'd say the best place is on social media. So I'm most active on Instagram. Um, I'm on there every day. I'm in my DMs every day. I post on there every day. Um, so yeah, hop over Instagram. Like, please feel free to send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. And then from my Instagram, you'll be able to find everything else, you know, website, um, you know, any offerings, like uh, podcast that's all there as well and I'm sure you'll put the link in the podcast show notes <laughs> amazing amazing yes and, and I will for sure um share all, all, all links uh, to kind of connect with Trang uh, on, on all their social medias but yeah but thank you so much for, for sharing that so you know thank, thank you for today I hope that's um, kind of resonated with with our listeners today uh, around signs for them whether they should pivot or pursue uh, to a different path or a different career and some of the actions you can take to kind of allow you to to take that path it is going to be um, sometimes quite a long-winded one. It will be quite a scary uh, journey to take. Um, but I suppose at the end of the day, if there's only if there's someone that's worth kind of doing it for, it, it is you. You know, we said about yes, you might have five, eight, even ten, fifteen years you've been uh, spending in a path. But is it really worth you know just saying I've done that time, so I'm never going to transition and never be the full version, my authentic self for, for the rest of my life, and not just for the rest of your life but for your children, for role models and, and others that kind of depend on you. So thank, thank you for your, your time, Trang. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and I will uh, see you all on the next episode of Catapult Your Career. Thank you. Okay.